uncivilized cantina, where we speak about the most uncivilized topics in a civilized manner. I am one of your hosts, Leo Love, and I'm here with my very good friend, Ken Bonobi, and we are here to discuss the amazing, the illustrious, the most anticipated Disney Plus show since before Disney Plus began, and that is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, man, you just took the words right out of my mouth and all those adjectives. It's like you've been paying attention to me and how I introduce you. It's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. My friends, the day is eagerly upon us. All the rumors, all the lies, all the subterfuge, red herrings and smoke screens, ladies and gents. He's here. He's coming. We are going to get to see our boy, Ewan McGregor. Back in action, transitioning Obi-Wan from Revenge of the Sith to A New Hope and getting us some much-needed lore fixes, so to speak. Catharsis. Is it A New Hope or is it Rogue One? I would argue Rebels, but okay. Okay. (laughs) You and your Rebel love, I swear. You just need your Rebels in your life. I know. It's a good show. Yes. It it gets... It gets good towards the end, for sure. Okay, you guys, this basically episode is just going to be us geeking out, squealing, and it's going to be our predictions. But we do have one rule in which we are not going to discuss any leaks or rumors. And the reason for that is we've been burned by them too many times for them being wrong and getting our hopes up. But more importantly, for them being right and ruining them. For example, I'm a person who loves spoilers. Like oftentimes spoilers will get me to actually watch the movie. Endgame, wasn't even really gonna watch it, maybe wait for it to come out. But I heard that there was a possibility of Cap and Carter getting back together somehow that a coworker of mine who saw it, I asked him and he was like, do you? Do you really want to know? I said, this is most likely going to make me want to see the movie if, if it's true. So he tells me, he confirms that, that it's true, and I go and see the movie. However, I can't do spoilers with Star Wars because the end of Mandalorian season two, I was spoiled with a headline. And I think it was CBR in which it said, the Mandalorian does the worst thing by connecting it to the Skywalker saga. I woke up to that. I wow. wanted to cry throughout the entire ending, that season finale, not because it was so emotional, which I did cry over that because it was, but because I saw all of the beats, I saw all of the teases, all of the lead up in the show to Luke coming back. And I just was just, I was so devastated. I was so depressed. I, I can't even really watch that episode because I'm still ruined by it. Oh, that's just too bad. Unfortunately, I had a much different reaction. It was the first thing I did. In fact, I remember waking up early on purpose so that I could just didn't even look at my phone. I just woke up, fired it up, and I had to stop myself from screaming like a little kid when that X-Wing popped up. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I shot straight up in my couch, 
big old grin ear to ear and there there were there were some tears just from pure joy of seeing the hero character that I grew up watching on those beat up VHS tapes, man, like that was my jam. So to hear that you had that ruined, absolutely. I want to make sure that we do not do that for anyone in our cantina because that's just not our thing. That's just not our thing. Another reason why I too want to avoid talking about those things is because I don't want to validate the trolls, those clickbaity dipshits that they thrive on rage bait. That's really what it is. They they want to stir the pot. They want to get those those likes. They want to keep their camp happy so they can get their ad revenue. And to be perfectly honest, the more I avoid them, the happier I am because I feel like the more I got into it in the past, my enjoyment of things went way down. Why? Because I was being subconsciously conditioned to think a certain way and have a predetermined mentality going in instead of keeping an open mind, letting myself just be immersed in what it was I was consuming and like an actual adult, a well-adjusted adult who can think critically without being a jerk, come to my own conclusions after the fact. And I tell you, I've been happier since I mentioned in one of our previous shows that the new Star Trek just doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. I made my peace with that. However, anytime I engage with people on social media about it, I will say straight up, while I will dump on the shows themselves, I will never, ever hate on somebody because they like it. I will never, ever tell them they're wrong. I will never, ever tell them not to watch it. I will never, ever tell them why the show I like, which is Deep Space Nine for Star Trek, is the best and the only one you should watch. Watch first, blah, 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 blah. Don't. That's not okay. What works for me doesn't work for other people and vice versa. Part of being in a fandom means you bring everything that's different about you to your fellow fans and then you apply that to the content you like. There's going to be tons of content out there that people like and don't like and that's okay. But it doesn't excuse trolls. It doesn't excuse just being a being an a-hole. If I could feed you to a rancor and you're that kind of person, I totally would. I will hit that button and watch you fall in. Scoot my chair forward. Yeah. Grab a slimy slug out of the thing and munch. Enjoy. Enjoy the the show. Yes. Well, exactly right. And I am actually going to go back to Star Wars links after the show is done to see what what got right and what got wrong and and everything. But let's... Let's talk about kind of what I think is the elephant in the room, which is Disney Plus UK on Friday released a watch list up to Kenobi. And what's interesting about it is that it's not just the prequels. It's not just the Clone Wars TV show. It's very specific things. It's the Phantom Menace, the Attack of the Clones, the Clone Wars movie, which is the first three episodes, which I literally learned today, was supposed to be the first three movie or three episodes of the TV show itself. And I'd never seen it. And then I watched it today. I was like reminded about, oof. Yeah, I still hate Ahsoka. Uh, <laughs> it's rough. It's pretty rough. But there are Clone Wars, three entries for Clone Wars. And what a lot of people didn't read at first 
was that underneath the Clone Wars, there is a season and set of episodes. Because a lot of people are like, oh man, I can't watch all seven seasons of the Clone Wars. Like, I've done it in four days. That's the fastest I can do it. No sleep. Um, but the first entry is season two, episodes 12 through 16. The next is season four, episodes 15 through 18. And the third is season five, episodes 14 through 16. Now, I don't know numbers, season numbers and episodes. I know, like, show names. So when I first saw season two, I took a pause and I had to look it up because I was right. And let me just say the very first, like the top comment on Reddit, on Reddit, the Star Wars Cantina that I saw was Satine's episodes. Oh, good gracious, my poor heart. Because not one, not two, but all three arcs not only include Satine, but are about Satine. The, the first and the last completely involve Satine. The third one, or the second one, the one in the middle, is where he goes undercover and they all think he dies. She is the only one, not only crying at his funeral, openly weeping. She is a widow. She believes she has become a widow. And it's just like. <laughs> and for your sake, Leah, I'll entertain the thought that that leaves Corky without his father. Yes. Just, just for you. Just for you. I will entertain that just for you. I just, we're going to get into those episodes. But then, of course, ending it is Revenge of the Sith. I think that the movies, including the Clone Wars movie, is pretty self-explanatory. There's also the Brotherhood book that came out. Ken, have you finished it? I'm about two-thirds of the way through. It's really hard for me to sit and listen for long periods of time. Thankfully, I got it on audio. So, listeners, cantina dwellers, I have recently transitioned to audiobooks because I find it easier for me to digest the material. I'm a dad young kids, they wear me out. Anytime I try to sit down to read anything, I get about a half page in and I am out like a light. When you're reading the same page five times in a row and you get nothing out of it because of how tired you get, you got to change something. So audio, yes, the narrator is fantastic. Jonathan Davis, he also narrates Master and Apprentice. So those of you who have also invested in Master and Apprentice, this is a kind of... Um, unofficial follow-up so to speak in that because it's the same narrator and it involves an older obi-wan versus master and apprentice of the younger obi-wan i feel that they go together really really well they complement each other perfectly i went to go i went into my libby app for those who don't know that is a library app uh and the brooklyn or bronx library system has made it completely free for anybody to have a library card, no matter where you're at through their system. So do check that out. So I was like, oh, let me see what the wait time is. For the book, it's 12 weeks. For the audiobook, it's 10 weeks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's the length of the wait list. Of course, it can go faster or, you know, it can't go longer because... 
that many people are on a hold, you can't renew it until you get put back into the wait list uh, because that's what I've had to do sometimes. But yeah, I was just like, okay, well, I guess I'm not going to read this until after the show. Cool. <laughs> fine. But again, uh, Satine is mentioned at least nine times. She is oh, yes. mentioned oh, yes. twice in the first five chapters. And we find out that Obi-Wan calls himself Ben because of her. She gave him that nickname. That is said by Drax. I'm just, I'm, 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 I can't, I. <laughs> breathe, breathe, Leah. It's okay. With it's that okay. information and then the three arcs from the Clone Wars. <sighs> I can't get excited. I can't get my hopes up because I know they're going to disappoint me. And so I just, you know what? As MJ in Spider-Man says, expect to be disappointed and you won't be. I, I just, I go. Oh. But I think that it's very interesting that two of his arcs, two of the watch episodes or arcs to watch in the episode is Satine centric. Now, there are those dwellers who are like, okay, but like, um, one of those episodes is about Padme. And it's like, okay, I just want to be Chandler. Like, shut up, shut up, shut up. Stop it! Don't take this from me! And then there's the others who are like, mm, actually, so these are the three arcs in which really his character develops. And it's like, okay, but can you tell no. me why his three major character develop arcs center around Satine? Which and is a, also a perfect mirror for Anakin and Padme, which Brotherhood may or may not also address, especially Obi-Wan being observant this is a known fact from the clone wars so give it a listen i i i totally agree with you leah those are all awesome points to bring up those episodes with satine it is not only teasing us but also giving people who may not know obi-wan too well a glimpse into who he is he had to turn down love that's a very hard thing to do he gave up he his chose he chose the jedi order over the love of his life if and he didn't want to he even admits out loud that he would have left the order for her and the order was his identity he would have yep. given up his identity as he had known it for this many years yeah to be with her and start a yep. new life I just, oh my gosh. Which is why when she tragically passes away, thanks to Maul, you feel that. You feel his grief. Like the fact that he's able to rise above that, that is a testament to what being a true Jedi is. In fact, it's how people theoretically, if in, in a healthy world, how we deal with grief in and of itself. We're all individuals. We're all human. It's you look at Anakin and how he had to watch his mother die. He held his mother as she died and he just didn't know how to deal. And he gave in to his lesser tendencies, those awful darker human traits. Obi-Wan held Satine as she died. 
he could have done the exact same thing. He could have went bananas on on Maul, on his followers, on anyone in sight that he felt was attributed to Satine's death. But no, he took it solemnly, quietly, with dignity, with acceptance, even though internally... I noticed that his character was slightly different for the rest of that episode. You knew he was carrying that loss. Like, Maul may as well have just shoved that sword through him. Interesting that's probably that what you it, say that. probably what it felt like. It's probably, it's probably what it felt like, to be perfectly honest. There was a short story, that there was a collection of short stories that came out about last month, maybe a month and a half ago at this point, that directly taught... Okay. The short story is absolute trash. It is absolute trash. But it deals with it the way that it was advertised was hey, the loss of Satine made Obi-Wan wrestle with the dark side. Now everybody who is an Obatine shipper and loves these two together go we're thinking that it was maybe later down the line or just shortly after this happened. Not as it was happening. And the reason why this story is trash is because the writers don't write Satine. Like, it's literally, they're literally pulling, we're pulling their teeth to write her as a character. They're like, ugh, I have to write her. They treat Fine. her like a, like a, like a piece of, of, of like prop scenery or yeah, something. Yeah, it's absolutely, it, this, it's trash. Do not read this story. There is a a hundred fanfics that go into this, mine included, and (laughs) shameless plug that, like, no, no, you that are worlds better than this just because there is absolutely no respect given to her. But I think it's really interesting that not only did these this short story come out, this book feature her, not heavily or prominently but noticeable and make her responsible for things that we know him as later in life that like carried him through and then this watch list features her 90% of the time if not directly about her don't how can you say that she's not going to be in this show oh I'm. I've said it numerous times. I'm gonna say it again. I'm. I'm crossing my fingers that we get, like, the, either Nicole Kidman or Kate Blanchett to just be de-aged young Satine, and if they can recreate some of those Clone War moments, even, I, 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 I will be even giddier than I was when I first saw that X-wing show up at the end of Mandalorian season two. And I made this joke before, but I don't care. What did Darth Maul and tuberculosis have in common? Stop. No, no. <laughs> I hate it when you make this joke. They both count Satine. And you and McGregor had to watch it happen. I know. Both times. He died in his arms. Both times. Oh my gosh. Mm. Like. But see, but how how meta would that be though if they actually got Nicole Kidman to be Satine? Like, I know. I mean, I I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay with either of them. And I and I as speaking right. as somebody in the OB team kind of like little community. We're all like, we're all kind of split. We, we we don't care if it's Kate Blanchett or Nicole Kidman because we're like Nicole Kidman, Moulin Rouge, Kate Blanchett. That's who. That's what her image was based off of, 
and Kate Blanchett is already attached to Disney through the Marvels series is, you know, being in Thor, Ragnarok, she can jump over here into a galaxy far, far away. My issue, my issue is this, that I don't want to get so hyped up for something and not have it happen. But I can tell you that if it does happen, you know I'm going to be calling Ken in the middle of the night, just screaming my head off, and then having to send flowers to his wife the next day for, like, disturbing them. Because... Full disclosure, I'll probably have my notifications turned off just because I know I'm I'm not going to be able to sleep. That's my phone thing. is going to blow up like you don't understand. Like, my phone is just going to... Yeah, and I, given how I was spoiled for the for the ending of Mandalorian season two, I think I'm going to have to put my phone into airplane mode. So I'm not spoiled through headlines again. I, uh, yeah. <sighs> yeah. I just, I think what I'm going to do is first of all, turn off like my messenger notifications. That's my primary method of communicating between closer groups of friends and then just delete Facebook off my phone completely for the day. And just not have any social media contact. I'm going to be like, hey, peeps, I'm going dark. I'll see you in a couple days after I've watched Kenobi a half dozen times. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I love that you bring up Satine. I think that is a fantastic prediction. If we don't see her, there's going to be mentions of her, whether it be through hologram, slight flashback. Maybe he has an object where he hears her voice. Maybe they just, they rip audio from Clone Wars, which we, I wouldn't hate. Especially because it. James Arnold Taylor, James Arnold Taylor pulls off a perfect young Obi-Wan already anyway. And with the right modulation and uh, sound editing suite, pfft, no one will notice, no one will care. And in fact, that'd actually be kind of neat to get James Arnold Taylor to unofficially be live action Obi-Wan on screen. I'm so, okay. So two things. One, I've, I don't know if I said it on the show, but when the first ep the first trailer dropped, I said w the thing that would have made me catatonic was the teaser trailer right before you know it's it says like Obi Wan or something, and then it pan it shows him and right before he looks to the side, right if a female voice just went Obi Wan and he looked over, I would have been catatonic. I would have been absolutely catatonic. He just had that. Mandalorian female vo aristocratic voice. Oh my gosh. But two, the cameo that I am wanting most of all is James Arnold Taylor. I am wanting oh, yeah. him as a cameo somewhere Absolutely. in there. Yep. He's, yep. he's gotta be now there, there hasn't been any pictures and he does love his social media and he does love to share things, but he could have been given, you know, uh, mum order just nope can't can't do this yet can't post this yet but it oh because there was a fan film like a kenobi fan film filmed yep. a couple years ago in which he yep. played uh an imperial officer and made a joke like do i know you uh to to obi-wan um because they didn't know who that he the it was obi-wan so that is the one cameo i that that has to be in there. And I do believe that he has had an uncredited voice acting 
thing with one of the Star Wars rise live of, action Star Wars properties. Rise of, rise of Skywalker. Okay, I could remember what it was. Yeah, he's I, in know, the he's in like the group of voices. Okay, like I would have been okay with something like that. At the same time, if you can put Matt Lanter on screen as as a, a background character. You could do the exact same thing with James Arnold Taylor. In fact, I didn't even know that was Matt Lanter until after the fact, which... In Mandalorian? Yeah. 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 And if you like it's... Matt Lanter, he does a show called Timeless. The show, as, as somebody who loves time it's... travel, it's a, it's an okay show. Um, yeah. But he is really good in it. Really hot. But he did <laughs> just go through um, kind of a medical scare. He is out of the woods. He is clean bell of health at this time. Uh, so he did have a lot of people praying for him and rooting for him to, to come out of it, and he did. Uh, so that was really good to hear uh, that that had happened. Um, yeah. So, But, yeah, those two, oh, man. Now, we're going to get into what some might consider spoiler territory. These are things that have already been mentioned by the actors or crew or directors themselves. Um, mm -hmm. so if you don't want to even hear that, there are people who don't, now is the time to click away. Let's give everybody a, a modest 10 second break just to, just to let them tune out. 10 seconds. That's a lot. I was giving like three, <laughs> <laughs> three, uh, whatever we, we, we can edit it all in post anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Okay. Darth Vader. Yep. Ewan has said that when they first see each other, Darth Vader is behind him. And we know that Hayden Christensen is going to be in the show. I mean, that's heavily promoted. Everybody knows that. I'm super excited for him to come back. Yep. I think he's in the suit. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He will be wearing the suit. There are behind-the-scenes photos of him practicing his lightsaber dueling. Like, bro's going to fight. Bro's going to be there. So for me, what I'm thinking is if he's going to be in that suit, is it going to be mm. his voice or is it going to be James Earl Jones? Personally, my prediction is that we're probably going to get him sans the helmet, like in his meditation chamber. And to see him in full regalia again, burnt to a crisp. Like, oh man, that's, that's going to be tragic. And Maybe we get some internal monologue. Maybe we get some actual speaking, like he's trying to communicate through the force. Personally, I feel where we're going to see him the most, and other YouTubers, commenters, podcasters have brought this up before, distinct possibility that we could see some digital de-aging, Clone Wars flashbacks. Yeah. They're in their armor suits again. Maybe they give us live action Christophsis right before Ahsoka shows up. Maybe they give us that that mission to go rescue the Chancellor. Maybe we get some unseen footage in between stuff with Revenge of the Sith where Obi-Wan is hinting, hinting, nudging, nudging that he knows about Anakin and Padme without actually saying it. Well, he already knew in, in the Clone Wars. Oh, oh, absolutely. In season seven. I'm saying... I'm saying giving him, giving that, even that, even more. Oh, credence. gotcha. Okay. So I am thinking that there's going to be some de-aging, a little bit of de-aging going back to Clone Wars. I think that that's true. I, my fear 
is that Darth Vader isn't going to be there until the last episode. Of the, the last last? Mm-hmm. You know, that is a healthy fear to have, and I agree with you. If that is indeed the case, I think that would be a ridiculous decision on Disney's part. You can't bring in Hayden Christensen. You can't have him on the press tours. You can't have him saying all the positive things about coming back and seeing all the energy for him when before it was nothing but negativity and horrible vitriol. And then totally ruin it by saving him for the very, very last spot. I agree. Disney, I I have said this before. Disney knows that they cannot screw this up. They cannot get this wrong at all. Deborah Chow in the I trust Deborah Chow. Give her, give her all the shows. She has proven herself time and again. She deserves to lead this show. She understands it. She gets it. She has worked with Dave Filoni, who is a direct understudy of George Lucas. So she got to learn very much the way Dave did. She directed she Mandal- gets Mandalorian it. episodes. She's a fantastic act or director. She knows star yep. Wars. Yep. Um, she, but she's also not afraid to make it her own and yep. bring it out. Uh, she has said things that she, regarding the pretty much the expected duel, that she wants to respect what George Lucas had put in place, but also what he has put into place is interpretation. And a lot of people are like, well, that's hypocritical. And it's like, no, you mm. can easily respect what came before by reinterpreting it or expanding upon it. And when she said her own interpretation, people thought, oh, her brand new ideas, which, yeah, but they're not mutually exclusive. Of course they're brand new ideas. This, This hasn't been written before. It's more of this is her way of paying homage to it. And I know that you don't like The Last Jedi. I do. Okay, sorry, everyone. I made a face. You did. I have faces. I made a face. It's not that I don't like The Last Jedi. It's very. It's like the last one on my watch list. I'm going to be honest. There's lots to like about it, and I have said that before. I am on record as saying such. I just feel disappointed in that Disney overall did not set up Ryan Johnson for all the success he could have had with the fan base had they actually just better planned out the trilogy start to finish. Sure. He is a fan. He knows things. He Mm -hmm. did his best to pay, not only pay homage to what came before, but also to move it forward. That's one of the things that I really love about it is that it's not J.J. Abrams rehashing that we got with The Force Awakens. And a lot of people didn't like that. And I'm like, well, tough noogies. This... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, see, here, here's the thing, though. If, if I may, real quick, interrupt. John Favreau took a lot of risks, and people celebrate him for it. So I'm going to give Deborah Chow the exact same benefit of the doubt. Yes. Because, first of all, it's fair. Mm-hmm. Why judge Deborah Chow differently than John Favreau when Deborah Chow directed the three best episodes of Mandalorian Season 1, hands down? Like, I, I, I will die on that hill. I am she, nodding my head again, furiously. She... She has the street cred, people. She's going to take some risks. She's going to try some things. She is going to respect and honor the DNA of what makes Star Wars Star Wars. We're going to watch this story unfold, and we're going to believe every second of it, 
and we're going to enjoy the living hell out of it. And I'm going to want to come back for more. Oh my gosh. I. (sighs) (laughs) I I gotta get a mop. (laughs) Shut up. I have been wanting this to come out for so long and I've said it forever that it needed to be when it came out that it was just going to be a limited series, only one season. I was like, then it better be 13 episodes, full hour long episodes because everybody needs as much Kenobi as they can. <laughs> it's now it's only six episodes and it's only playing for five weeks because they're airing the first two on week one. And mm-hmm. pretty much I think it's going up to just being confirmed. It's because of celebration. Uh, they don't want to give people like celebration a, more of a, a chance than anybody else. Um, it is, it better be these episodes better be an hour plus long. I'm talking, remember Sherlock when BBC did Sherlock and they were an hour and a half long. I'm talking, these need to be pretty much part one, two, three, or part one and two of movie one, part one and two, movie two, part one and two, movie three. Like that's how it's got to be. Took the words right out of my mouth. Absolutely. We are, we are in lockstep on that one. And that is the one prediction I truly hope comes true. If only because the longer time we get, they can do the story completely the way it deserves to be done. And they don't have to rush with anything. The issues with Boba Fett and Mandalorian is that the shorter episodes don't give you enough and they purposely string you along and it just kind of feels like after a while, how much filler are they pumping into these things? Like Boba Fett could have easily have been four episodes. Yeah. Mandalorian as great as it was and much as we love it. It could have been four or five episodes. Easy. Yeah. Just, just cut the, cut the fat. So, and I don't think that this, there's no room for filler in this show because this show is really going to be the catalyst and the stepping point for the Ahsoka show, for Acolyte, for uh, what's it called? The Andor. Andor. Yes. Yeah. I mean, because. Which I I predict we're going to see something about that after Obi-Wan. That's yeah. why we haven't seen a lick because they want the attention to be right there. Sorry to cut you off. No, you're fine. No, I totally get it. And I'm thinking the same thing because remember, a lot of people are saying, well, this is what ties in between uh, Return of the Jedi and uh, A New Hope. No, sorry. I've got it. I'm sorry. Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. I'm sorry. But remember, okay. remember, there is Rogue One that's in between it. And while this might bridge three and four for Obi-Wan, this is the bridge for three and 3.5 overall regarding it. Interesting. And I want to hear more about that. What's what your thoughts are on that a different time, just because I never once thought to consider it being a connection to rogue one only. in so as, yeah, Bale mentions having a friend and, and sending Leia there to meet him. So that's, I'm really, really genuinely curious where your headspace is at. So ooh, that'd be a juicy episode to get into someday. Yay. So speaking of though, speaking of, I want to get into my big thing is Reva, 
Reva, Reva, Reva. I think she is going to be super important. And I feel like we're going to spend the appropriate amount of time with her to develop her character as the primary antagonist. She's not around in Rebels. No. She's she's not she's like no mention of her ever. But she so, does know Obi-Wan from because she was a previous Padawan. Is this confirmed? Yes. I have not heard this. Yes. Okay. So th- this came from her, the actress okay. that she has known from before that she was one of either a youngling or Padawan, I can't remember which, and when Order 66 happened because she was young enough they they scooped her up and got her. Interesting. I hope then that we get to see Order 66 through her perspective. Imagine seeing Anakin, young Hayden Christensen, digitally de-aged, mowing down peeps. Oh, and maybe like all you see is her eyes and the blue reflection in her corneas. <laughs> uh uh, you cannot no. But that brings up some wonderful theories, which I want to avoid just because I don't want to get into that unintentionally ruining it for people. Needless to say, I cannot wait to see how Moses Ingram brings her to life on the screen because a good antagonist will make the story all the better. I feel like a lot of times pop culture today, a lot of the villains are one dimensional and they often are just reflections of the heroes and the agency really is just for them to be beaten by the heroes. And I feel like the better villains are complex. They're they, they have depth. I don't necessarily always like morally ambiguous kind of stuff. Like if she's just flat out evil, because that's what the dark side did to her and corrupt her like Trilla in fallen order. I'm all for that, man. Like that's great because you could do a lot with that, especially being an Imperial uh, it is fully known that Imperials are very ambitious. They seek power. They want to be the head honcho or at least as close to it as possible where they can do their own thing unnoticed. So she has ulterior motives. Who knows? Like we just we just don't know. And I know that there has been some chatter, some talk. I'm not going to utter it here. I just I am such of the open mind where I am completely excited so much that I want to I want the trolls to be so wrong you have no idea you have no idea I will tell you the one character that I am curious about how they're going to use mm-hmm. I don't think you I, I don't think you even have a guess of who I'm going to say I can I've got a top three okay let me see here young Luke young Luke okay Grand Inquisitor. Okay. And I want to say Owen Lars. It was a negative on all three. I yes. W- I want to see what they do with R2-D2. Because you think R2 will be in here? R2-D2 has been in every single Star Wars visual thing from Since A New Hope. Every single one. Not C-3PO, because C-3PO hasn't been in Boba Fett or The Mandalorian, but R2 has. Yep. And let's be real. It was so awesome to get to see 
Rosario Dawson and R2-D2 on screen yes. together. Oh, I know. So I'm going to be really curious to see how they utilize R2-D2. And I think I'm going to shed a little tear if they don't, if they don't use him because it's R2-D2. And this is one of the reasons why it is said that Star Wars the theory is that Star Wars is told from the perspective of R2. That's why he can never do any wrong. That's why he always saves the day. That's why he's always there at the most opportune time. That if he is not in this, how is he going to tell the story? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Which is, to go along those lines, I'm waiting for the next iteration of From a Certain Point of View, and they tell a short story about that brief bit of time when old Ben gets to Luke on Tatooine and R2's like, all right, there you are. And they have this moment where, where Obi-Wan looks at him and R2 kind of gives him like a tweet or a twistle or whatever they want to call it. And he, they, just, they know they get it. All that history, all that there. So yes, Obi-Wan is correct. He never owned the droid from a certain point of view. That is true. He never owned R2. He never owned R2, but, but he um, knew, excuse but he me. Knew him. Excuse yes, me. Yes. R4? We we just gonna we just gonna leave out R4. We're really? We're just Which one? There's but he's had three of them and all of them blew up. All three of them. Well, okay, two out of the three that we know of. The other R4 flew his fighter back up to the ship and then it was like, oh, tell Cody I've made contact and then Cody proceeds to try to shoot him. So there you go. <laughs> like R4, yeah, people are like, just Obi-Wan, I've never had a droid. I don't, am I chopped liver to you? What? Oh, he's all like, excuse me. Excuse <laughs> oh, me. Oh, I know. I, I, not to get all nerdy and, and, and risk sounding like I'm being a condescending jerk. My personal theory is that all the droids that work with Jedi and such, they're not necessarily individually owned by them, but they're just kind of like in service to the Jedi Order overall. So that's just my personal that's my personal theory. So again, from a certain point of view, he is correct. That that's a pretty popular uh, theory. I've had many people say that to me before. So it, it, that's not a new that's uh, that's not new to hear for me. So. And keep in mind, in Star Wars, having a droid is akin to having a toaster. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, I have my cast iron skillet that I love. <gasps> I have Ooh. I have a KitchenAid mixer that I got for Christmas and my birthday. Oh, yes. Like, Those things are invincible and they're amazing. That, that's yes. my droid. It's red. And now I'm kind of wishing I got a blue one so I could decorate it like R2. <laughs> but now I need, just need some, like, if somebody wants to design me a droid with some, like, decals I can put on it that's red. DBR would be I, I will take R4. Yes, I will. There you go. I will, I will take my space husband's droid. Thank you. <laughs> but, it's, okay. <laughs> We're going to circle this back around. We're going to wrap this all up. <sighs> overall ken yep what do you think the main beats of this series is going to be i believe that obi-wan is going to have the kind of arc that you see from a man who has been utterly broken there's a popular meme out there that surfaced in recent years where it compares all the people in Obi-Wan's life. 
He lost Qui-Gon, but he had Anakin. He lost Satine, but he still had Anakin. So he wasn't prepared to lose Anakin too. And just thinking about that, saying out loud kind of gets me worked up a little bit. We're going to see a broken man. We're going to see a guy who swore an oath to protect the son of his brother. And knowing full well what he had to do, he's going to be haunted by the screams of his brother burning alive on a volcano who he maimed and left there to die. He's going to carry that that guilt on his shoulders. He is he is going to be the kind of person that I hope absolutely anyone can resonate with who's had to experience some kind of loss, some kind of at low point and had to build yourself back up. And I do believe that he's going to have to have a sort of self-redemption arc where he's going to have to give himself permission to forgive himself for all the things he had to do. That he, being in exile by himself, I'm sincerely hoping that that Liam Neeson was just being coy. And we may not see him, but we'll hear him. How else is he supposed to train? How else is he supposed to learn about transcending into the Force? Yeah. Well, Method of how he does it on the Death Star, a hotly contested debate between Leah and I, which we'll get into later. So the beats are going to be, for me, again, he's going to be broken. He's going to be trying to pull himself back together. You're going to see a kind of a pull yourself up by the bootstraps and remember why you're doing what you're doing. Get your hope back. Be the Obi-Wan we know and transition from Revenge of the Sith to about rebels new hope ish time for me the beats are going to be haunted by his past with memories that we either see or hear with people that we love and that we have been hoping to see for a long time um or hear from but what those flashbacks are going to do is show him how arrogant he truly was, that he was not exempt from the Jedi's arrogance, that this PTSD that he has is partly his fault. He has some suffering and some growing to do before really going into that wizened state that we know of with Alec Guinness. Um, And I think that he's not going to be start he's going to start off fractured but he's going to be broken into a million pieces and have to be put back together again and seeing the result of his actions and facing them head on is what is his his last trial i think that he's already known how to force ghost uh, it's possible that he could be learning. I, I think that he already at this time knows how to force ghost or at least has started training with that. But I think that he is not yet, while he was given the rank of master by the Jedi Council, the force will truly make him the master that we know him to be. Uh, Excellent. I I was a dancer for over 20 years. 
Martha Graham, who is considered the mother of jazz and modern dancing, uh, has stated in her first autobiography that you do not choose to be a dancer, you are chosen. And I think that that sentiment applies to the force and being a force user, that you do not choose to be a Jedi, you do not choose to be a force wielder, you are chosen. And you're not chosen by any particular person, you are chosen yep. by the force itself. Yep. And I think that this is going to answer a lot of questions we have been wondering for 40 years. Yep. Uh, yep. And Ewan McGregor is going to bring it home. I also think that this is going to be Hayden Christensen's redemption. Because at this, Absolutely. this time, with the absolute knowledge that people, that the audience has about filmmaking, they've come to recognize that Hayden Christensen's performance was not purely his fault. That right. most of the blame does lie with George Lucas. As much as they might pain, it might be painful to say it, he, it's not wholly Hayden Christensen's fault. And I think that Hayden Christensen is excited for this chance as well. And he said it, that he thought his part was done with episode three. He was like, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I've, I've played my role. I've done it. Anakin's now Darth Vader. Okay, passing off the torch that he now gets this second chance and he's excited for it. And I'm excited to see what talented... Oh, I'm going to get so much hate. I'm going to be excited to see what a talented writing crew and direction can yep. turn Hayden Christensen yep. into being. Yep, which is actually kind of funny you, you mentioned that because I'm just going to say read Brotherhood. I'm going to. I just have there to may wait or, for there may or may There may or may not be a real meta kind of internal monologue with himself about episode two. And You're going to have to tell me very, that. <laughs> very self-reflection kind of thing. Trust me, you will. I I I heard it like just having it read to me. I chuckled out loud. I'm like, yes, yes. Uh, so f excellent points, Leah. I'm glad you brought up Obi Wan being fractured into pieces and having put back together again. Very similar to Darth Vader, just different. A mirror to Darth Vader. And I watched, which is actually, which is actually one of the biggest things I hope we get to see is that kind of meta fulfillment of that line that Owen drops in A New Hope. I don't think he exists anymore. He died about the same time as your father. Anakin and Obi-Wan went to Mustafar. Darth Vader and Ben left. Yeah, I agree. And also I was watching The Phantom Menace. The way that Obi-Wan holds Qui-Gon and the way that he defeated Marth, Darth Maul. You want to talk about rhyming when it came to the, you know, episode three and then Rebels is that the same jump that Obi-Wan did is the same jump that Anakin did and Obi-Wan knew how to defeat him. You know, Obi-Wan knew how to do it from both ways, but then when he's cradling Maul, it's the same way that he cradled uh, Qui-Gon and Qui-Gon you know, said, train the boy, he is the prophecy, he's, he's the chosen one. And Darth Maul saying, he will avenge us about Luke. 
that is truly when stories rhyme. That's yep. why I think that that's, this is what is going to be kind of an amalgamation of those. And as an added bonus, Obi-Wan knew what Maul was going to do. So he anticipated his maneuver because Maul tried the same face butt with the lightsaber that he pulled on Qui-Gon. Mm-hmm. And arguably one of the best duels in all of Star Wars. Yeah. Quick, but merciful. Samurai, baby. Oh, yeah. And it's purest. We want to hear from you guys in the comments below. What do you think is going to happen with Obi-Wan? No spoilers, please. No leaks, please. Just please know, please adhere to our rules. Uh, we want to keep this a safe place for everyone. Just, just don't, just don't be mean. Just don't, don't be Bantha poop. Okay. And if you do, you want to go home and rethink your life. You want to go home and rethink your life. Anyway, that will be for us tonight, patrons. Please remember to tip your waiters, bust your tables. That helps the wait staff a lot. Finish up your rounds. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. And always, we always serve your kind here. facts about the square of the hypotenuse. I'm very good at integral and differential calculus. I know the scientific names of being animalicus. In short, this matters vegetable, animal, and mineral. I am the very model of a modern major general. Ooh.